And now, the Dr. Bob Show, direct from the boiler room of the Uptown Downtown Bar and Grill and Taxidermy in glorious East Shovel, Arkansas. Here's Dr. Bob. Oh, Bob. Oh, yeah, right. you got to turn on the microphone before you can do anything. That was Amy. Thanks, Amy, from uh, Down Under, helping us out here. Yes, I am Dr. Bob. Uh, that's a handle I gave myself back in the 70s in the radio days. And this program, uh, which we hope to do more than once, uh, is about um, silly stuff. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to read some mail. Uh, we're going to refer you to our website, which is uh, okidoki.com. That's O-H-K-E-Y-D-O-K-E-Y. Actually, if you really said it, it would be okie-dokie, but that sounds really silly. Uh, so it's okidoki.com, and on there you can, uh, you can send me an email or you can call and leave a message. Uh, the chances of me answering the phone are somewhere between uh, none and zero and what have you. Um, so we have, uh, if I can find it, You'll have to excuse me that sometimes the uh, engineering here is going to be uh, a little sketchy sometimes. But basically, uh, it's it's actually really simple. I, I think, and it's on my website, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. I mean, uh, you know, what the hell's wrong with everybody anyway? Uh, everywhere I look, it's there's a noticeable growing level of ineptitude in the population. Like someone opened an idiot school. There are lots of really annoying people out there, and a lot of these morons vote and decide their politics based on sound bites. With all the media and information we have available to us today, I believe that we are the dumbest, most poorly informed electorate in history. We believe everything that we hear on Fox News and probably a lot of the news outlets. The U.S. population is better able to hand has a better handle and what's going on in the country than they did back in 1865. And one of the rich get richer because no one is paying attention, and the guys doing the stealing are being defended by their victims. So anyway, so I'm serious. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm no doubt will seriously piss off a lot of people, and if you're pissed, well, I don't care. Write or comment as you will, but I'm no mood to debate anything I mention here. If you want to discuss it, that's fine. I've already decided to save your breath. Um, I uh, need to give you some background on me. Uh, I am an authority on nothing. I have no degrees or special training of any kind, except I'm a highly skilled observer, and I am constantly and uncontrollably in search of incongruities. That's basically shit that makes no sense to me. I make up my own rules, and by deduction, make up a certain amount of facts. I defend under cause and effect rules. Uh, basically, that means that I just pay f fast and loose with the uh, facts. You know, and why, speaking of facts, um, I think one of the most annoying things, and, and, and it happens all the time, I'm sure it happens to you, is uh, I have a quick question. There's no such thing as a quick question. People say it's a quick question, and then they just drone on and on for several minutes. And uh, I can remember I was standing in a line, I think at an airport or something like that, waiting to finally get up and talk to the ticket agent. And I finally waited, and then all of a sudden there's this woman on my shoulder interrupting us, going, well, I just have a quick question. No, I have a quick question too, so get back in the fucking line. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't know, but, you know, and that's... Uh, anyway, so... Um, yeah, and that's, by the way, if you're uh, running in the airport, go buy a friggin' watch. I, I don't understand. I'm not going to run in the airport. Well, I'm probably largely incapable of doing it. And uh, you know those Girl Scout cookies that don't taste the way they used to? You know, like smaller in size and stuff. Why don't they sell something useful like tires or something? I think that would be a, a better idea for them. I come from a long line of storytellers. Uh, as a family, we we would get together. We would uh, the youngers, of, the younger ones in the group, would implore certain of the adults, um, like my grandmother on my father's side. Um, she was actually a leech on my father's side, um, and uh, my uh, aunt Alice was very funny. 
and uh, so was Uncle Bob, that he was married to my father's sister. I'm sure all of this information means nothing to you, but that's okay. It's all on background. So so we would implore them to tell these uh, stories, like Aunt Alice had a, a vacation she took out in Idaho, and uh, staying with relatives out there, and she couldn't get anything to eat. And she thought, well, geez, if I could just sneak out of the house and get down the street and go to that little grocery store, I could probably get a sandwich or something down there, but they would it would intercept her. She was almost like that, um, oh, is that movie with Patrick McGowan called The Prisoner, which is popular back in the 60s. Uh, it's a little like Wayward Pines or something, that program on today where the guy tries to escape the town and there's always somebody chasing him. But anyway, so... Um, we're going to tell some stories here, and I've got a I've got a good one uh, right now, and this is uh, under the heading of my parents' parents, and on my mother's side, my mother's father, and he looked and sounded an awful lot like Henry Kissinger, and he could be profane and mixed company, or in a courtroom in some way get away with it. He fits nicely somewhere between Joseph Stalin and Norm Crosby. If you don't know who Norm Crosby is, try that on YouTube. You see who he is. His business associates called him SR, other Steve. To his wife, he was daddy, but to my sisters and me, he was grandpa. And no one, and I'm one of five grandchildren who suffered for grief moments and rejoiced in having this man as a grandfather. Several other creative types in the family have considered writing about this man, but I think the element of believability is a strong factor in a decision not to write about Grandpa. Many of the incidents and moments with Grandpa... I'm sorry, I've got a cocktail going on the side here, so if I have to burp suddenly, I apologize for that. Uh, moments with Grandpa are just simply hard to believe, as was Grandpa most of the time. That's why it's so tough. So why bother? Well, you know, he was very successful financially, drove big, expensive cars, lived in a large, expensive home. Uh, he didn't look nor give any appearance of being someone who was notoriously untruthful. He always dressed well, except for fishing. He was rarely seen not wearing a tie. Uh, all of his wealth was acquired legally. Uh, despite his wholesale abuse of the king's English, his trouble with telling endless stories of out-and-out -out fantasy, he was by any measure a successful man. He would not have a clue about the truth about Grandpa by any visible behavior or appearance. Basically, the problem, the driving theme about uh, Grandpa was basically he was full of shit. Uh, he'd say, start a conversation, he'd drop these bombs, and he just would just sort of announce to the people sitting around the living room, did I ever tell you about the time I decided to invent scotch tape? Uh, gosh, no, Grandpa. Well, I, uh, we've not heard that. And he somehow gave this story about how he decided to invent scotch tape. It just somehow came to him uh, sitting there that he needed to uh, do this, so he uh, did. And, and, of course, we had to uh, endure the story. It took about 45 minutes. And Grandpa talked continuously. Uh, and the consistency of these stories over time is quite remarkable. That's why we remember them, because we've um, uh, heard them so many times. So not so. But what is unusual is that Grandpa would tell his tales to people who were in a position to know better. And Grandpa knew they knew better like when he tried to convince a veteran FBI agent that J. Edgar Hoover was actually married and had five kids. Grandpa would relate several cute stories about Hoover's kids and how Grandpa knew and adored them all. At first blush, his stories were so outrageous that most of us who didn't know him had just stood there, mouths agape, speechless at what they were hearing. Geez, who is this guy? He's nicely dressed, big diamond pinky ring, huge home in the rich part of town, a couple luxury cars in the garage. Can what this man be saying is just a complete load of shit? No, it can't be. Well, the FBI guy was just baffled. And, and, and no one ever knew what triggered Grandpa into a tall tale. Over the years, we all tried to detect a pattern, nodding want to, nodding want, not wanting to stumble into one of his fond recollections. There seemed to be no safe area of discussion and the worst was being verbally held captive in a confined space there was no escape. 
Krampus diatribes were very long, having no natural breaks, so there was no way to interrupt, and God forbid you should have a question. My brother-in-law would enter the room and deliberately ask Grandpa a loaded question, then leave the room, leaving the rest of us trapped. Strangely, Grandpa didn't always buy uh, these loaded questions. There was never a logical way to predict what happened. So no discussion of Grandpa would be uh, complete without some discussion, some mention of Grandma. According to my sister, Grandma uh, lived in a body that was never used, uh, rarely so much as an aspirin past her lips. Born of sturdy Swedish stock, Grandma was reasonably devoted to Grandpa and for us represented a delightful abstraction from Grandpa. And she never went wanting for help in the kitchen, obviously, we we're all eager to help. In some ways, she was like Grandpa. Where Grandpa lacked truth, Grandma lacked substance. Her stories were so completely void of the slightest meaningful content, you would no wonder why she even bothered. But she was pleasant, interested in what you had to say, and not a bad driver either. And to give you a small sense of this woman, she believed that having a nice cup of coffee and a little cake would cure any ill. Or in order to cook beef safely, it must be cremated. Gee, Grandma, why don't you and Grandpa get cable TV? You'll get a lot more channels. No, I can only watch one channel at a time. You know, it's hard to counter that kind of logic. Besides, we don't want all those cables running all over the house. And, of course, there's no logical statement to that. How about some more coffee? No, thank you, Grandma. She poured anyway, and I was about 12. We know that uh, Grandma learned over time to tune out Grandpa. She just stopped listening. On those occasions when Grandma was in the room, which was unusual, Grandpa drolled on about something or other. Grandma would frequently exhibit what the military men referred to, referred to as the thousand-yard stare, uh, sort of a glassy-eyed stare. Grandma added a hint of a smile, and when Grandpa would turn to Grandma to corroborate some fine point in one of these uh, dissertations, Grandma would merely increase the smile at the corner of her mouth by perhaps two degrees, just enough to indicate that she'd actually heard her name. Of course, Grandpa would accept this slight change in Grandma's slight uh, general state of being as a hearty and rousing endorsement of his story. He would laugh loudly, especially... Well, odd considering there was absolutely nothing even remotely funny about what Grandpa said. And he did, occasion he did occasionally tell a joke. Actually, his jokes were several jokes blended into one incomprehensible thing. I say only thing because there was no grammatical or compositional description of his form of speech. When searching for the perfect word, he liked to work around the obstacle by saying, uh, over on uh, what you call your bathtub. And he would just make something up, merely inserting some strange variation on some word he had heard, no matter that word was looking for was a noun or an adjective or what have you. Any word would do. Contemptuous would become contemporaneous. Just enough similarity that it just didn't matter. You might even consider for a fleeting moment that perhaps that actually was a real world. Um, and when Grandma or any of my aunts were around, he liked to slip in words like bosom. He liked the idea that his comedy was sort of racy. Um, little background, uh, Grandpa was uh, frequently uh, uh, talked about his violin playing and how he'd uh, studied with uh, Stradivarius and I don't know. I mean, you know, because there's no way that you can disprove any of this. Uh, so on occasions like Christmas, he would go and he would get his violin out and go through this pluck, 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 tuning up his violin. And then he'd say, oh, no, this is the weather. This is my worst. I can't do that today. Uh, we'll do this some next time. And all, he'd, all we ever heard was just, just hear him tune up. Um, and he, he had some the words he used. Uh, Horizon was... Like horizon was a word for horizon to him. And it wasn't wrought iron, it was iron wrought. And parcel post was actually partial post. And Fort Worth was actually Fourth Worth. And he uh, would say something that uh, uh, he felt like he was a left wheel. 
of left wheel to what, Grandpa? <laughs> I don't, I don't get that. He also said um, one of his more enduring things. He said was, "If I did that, I couldn't stand beside myself." Well, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's quite a leap. And he believed that all people who drove Fords were Jewish. Absolutely no problem. They see a Ford go by, and well, there's another Jew. And Cadillacs are for in-town driving, and Buicks are for the country. Uh, microwaves can get stuck in your food uh, during daylight saving time. D daylight saving time is only 23 hours long. Uh, church was church. Always wear a tie except when going to bed or fishing. Lawrence Welk and the Pope were both communists. Ballet dancers and modern dancers of any kind he referred to as, oh no, here come the jumpers. My grandmother always used to complain about being so tired during the summer. She said, because we lose that hour. When daylight saving time originally became a thing, it was called um, uh, fast time by some people. So she believed there was only 23 hours in the day. And you say, well, Grandma, you guys go to bed about 10 o'clock at night. You get up at 6. It's eight hours. No, 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 no. During the middle of the night, we lose an hour. Though no, that's just on the first day. And there was just, you couldn't get it through her head. There was, you, you f struggled emotionally and mentally trying to come up with some kind of example of, no, forget it. Forget it. It just wasn't even uh, possible. Um, and uh, I'll finish up here with the last little bit about uh, 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 Grandpa. Uh, after uh, we're going to listen to something right now, a famous story. This one's about the Zambezis. This is a favorite. Uh, so give a listen. The following is from the Zambezi tribal teachings from their Zoket teachings from the secret book in Zambanese documented by short, fat missionaries from Walla Walla, Norway. Darkness falls when the light goes away. Live as long as you can. Children are always small to begin with. A hungry dog may bite a chicken or your sister's kid, Ralphie. Great things are never made of dung. Eat the purple fruit and your dead uncle will appear. The end is always last. Although an ancient and otherwise wonderful group of people, the Zambeses were not known for their intellectual depth. They were eventually driven from their land along with the missionaries by the neighboring tribe of Jacuzis. The Jacuzis were eventually killed off by the dreaded Fakawi Indians of central Cleveland led by Chief Fookhead. The Fakawis were of course known for their lack of direction and inability to use maps. Although known to be very vicious fighters, they were generally frail and had really long nose hair and cute dimples. And now, back to the Dr. Bob Show. Well, it's something to do anyway. Well, thanks a lot, Amy. appreciate that, uh, your support. Um, so, uh, again, we want you to visit our, our website if you have something interesting that you want to talk about. Um, that's fine. Um... um where was I going? I forget where I was going. Yeah, yeah, I, I, we, uh, uh, wife and I went to, uh, we'd been a long time, a couple, several years contemplating buying a new car. And, uh, and so we went to one of the big car shows because that's really the only way to do it because you could sit at them and there's no salesman around or anything like that. And what I was always, it's men, have to, what is this thing that, that they have to look under the hood of a new car? I mean, what would you expect, that there would be something else in there other than an engine? And what can you tell by looking at an object whose values on the inside, sort of like opening up an iPhone? Yep, looks good. I know it's a guy thing. Okay, Julia, this is here, and this is what you call your engine. Um, I, don't, I, I don't get that, but people continue to do it. Um, saw a lady in the supermarket the other day let out a huge wet sneeze. Fortunately, she caught it in her hand and went back to pushing her cart. Um, I, this is a, a, another statement of mine that I'll make. And 
Now, this part won't be pretty, but somebody needs to get this out, and that is about rural America. Rural folks, folks are not folks. <laughs> rural folks, yeah, that's probably, I think that's where we're going. Rural folks are not like everyone else. Uh, I believe that over time these folks share a collective brain atrophy. And before going on, I should mention that I do have some creds in this area. I was born and raised in Minnesota. Only 100 kids in my graduating class. I lived an adult as an adult in small towns in southern Minnesota, Iowa, and South Dakota. My in-laws had a dairy farm. At age 10, my parents left the city and bought a farm. So it's not like I can't talk from experience. And there's nothing wrong with the character of the rural people. They're, for the most part, God-fearing, tax-paying, law-abiding citizens, everything that the politicians say. That being said, in the average small-town barbershop, you can make a racially charged comment and generally get a favorable reaction. There's a decided tone of racial prejudice and homophobia just below the surface. They don't trust strangers, outsides, or anyone different. Oh, yes, they will come off as warm and friendly and hospitable, but their core beliefs are very dif di different. Crimes amongst the group, like rape, incest, spousal abuse, are never spoken of. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. We think a lot of like spousal abuse was, is rampant, but I know it goes on, and it did go on back in the 50s, and nobody talked about it. It's a big secret. And if anybody had an abortion, nobody talked about it. Uh, where's mom? Well, she's in the hospital to get her ear fixed. Oh, really? Well, I didn't know that. Um, so anyway, you know, if, yeah, if, if my grandmother had been on the Titanic, she'd be just walking around telling everybody, we'll be fine, don't worry, you know, have some coffee, have some cake too. Um, what scared me was the fact that once around uh, these pea pickers for a while, you become one of them. Perfectly happy to sit for hours discussing nothing but Herb, what do you think? Do you think we'll getting any, uh, be getting any rain? Uh, anyway, we love living in a small town with small town values and good, solid Christian values. Well, fuck you and your small town bullshit. These tiny conflates, conclaves perpetuate racial injustice, racial stereotypes, and small-minded white thinking. They are quick to condemn welfare recipients and in the same breath argue about and defend their milk subsidies. Their uh, lack of exposure to the rest of us is uh, obvious. And of course, they love Rush and Fox because all this drivel has been reduced to the lowest common denominator, and so it's made very easy uh, to understand. So anyway, so brain drains, small, tells, small towns, and television. Louisville? Maybe? Perhaps? Uh, I noticed that uh, Benjamin Edelman... Uh, I have no idea who he is, but he cites a Harvard study. I mean, this could be John Smith. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, cites a Harvard study of anonymous credit card transactions that states with anti-gay marriage laws, and this was before, obviously, the recent Supreme Court decision, that states with anti-gay marriage laws consumed 11% more porn than states that did not have such laws. Churchgoers bought less porn on Sundays but came back in line during the rest of the week, especially on Monday. Uh, I think I got this right. Uh, Utah leads the pack, uh, followed by Mississippi, Louisiana, and, and, and Alabama. And I expected this would be New York and California, and that, no, that they were towards the bottom. Uh, you know, these pious pricks, I don't know, talk about all of this morality and we're going to legislate what goes on in the in the restaurant, but God knows what goes on in the privacy of their home. Uh, Utah says it's okay for residents to sell liquor by the drink, but you have to buy food, and if there's a physical bar, you can't have any bottles in view. And where the bartender, these bars are structured, so when the bartender mixes the drink, he has to actually go off to the side into a little room where he mixes the drink and then brings it out to you. And you can, there's no doubles, and uh, if you or if you order a drink, when she comes back to the table, she expects the uh, the glass you've had already will be empty. Otherwise, she'll just stand there and wait for you to finish before she can put the other one back down on the table. 
Uh, it's it's just uh, amazing. And any um, secondary liquor that has to be added to a drink, I think like Long Island iced tea, I think has, uh, you know, it may have gin and then some other liquor in it. Uh, it has to be in a bottle labeled flavoring. And uh, anyway, well, I didn't, and I, you can't make this shit up. It's uh, pretty amazing to me that uh, uh, speaking of, of <laughs> speaking of the um, of, of shopping, <laughs> I was thinking about the American Dairy Association. You know, the the American Dairy Association. You see their ads on TV. They promote milk. They're a non-profit organization, but have about 150 employees and an annual budget somewhere in the area of about $135 million a year. Dairy farmers are mandated by law to support the, so it's the association. So when you buy milk, you are paying to underwrite the dairy lobby. So us consumers pay an extra $135 million a year for milk to pay for the Got Milk commercials. You know, can we infer from this that if we don't promote milk, people will stop buying it? We don't really promote bread, do we? Uh, anyway, that's a, that's a thought I'm having. And now, the Dr. Bob Show, direct from the boiler room of the Uptown Downtown Bar and Grill and Taxidermy in glorious East Shovel, Arkansas. Here's Dr. Bob. Oh, Bob. Oh, yeah, right. you got to turn on the microphone before you can do anything. That was Amy. Thanks, Amy, from uh, Down Under, helping us out here. Yes, I am Dr. Bob. Uh, that's a handle I gave myself back in the 70s in the radio days. And this program... Uh, which we hope to do more than once, uh, is about um, silly stuff. We're going to talk about the news. We're going to read some mail. Uh, we're going to refer you to our website, which is uh, okidoki.com. That's O-H-K-E-Y-D-O-K-E-Y. -E -E Actually, if you really said it, it would be okidoki, but that sounds really silly. Uh, so it's okidoki.com, and on there you can uh, you can send me an email or you can call and leave a message. Uh, the chances of me answering the phone are somewhere between uh, none and zero and what have you. Um, so we have, uh, if I can find it, you'll have to excuse me that sometimes the uh, engineering here is going to be... Uh, a little sketchy sometimes, but basically, uh, it's it's actually really simple. I I think, and it's on my website. I'm right, and everybody else is wrong. I mean, uh, you know, what the hell's wrong with everybody anyway? Uh, everywhere I look, it's there's a noticeable growing level of ineptitude in the population. Like someone opened an idiot school. There are lots of really annoying people out there, and a lot of these morons vote and decide their politics based on sound bites. With all the media and information we have available to us today, I believe that we are the dumbest, most poorly informed electorate in history. We believe everything that we hear on Fox News and probably a lot of the news outlets. The U.S. population is better able to handle, has a better handle on what's going on in the country than they did back in 1865. And one of the rich get richer because no one is paying attention and the guys doing the stealing are being defended by their victims. So anyway, so I'm serious. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm no doubt will seriously piss off a lot of people, and if you're pissed, well, I don't care. Write or comment as you will, but I'm no mood to debate anything I mention here. If you want to discuss it, that's fine. I've already decided to so save your breath. Um, I uh, need to give you some background on me. Uh, I am an authority on nothing. I have no degrees or special training of any kind, except I'm a highly skilled observer, and I am constantly and uncontrollably in search of incongruities. 
that's basically shit that makes no sense to me. I make up my own rules and by deduction, make up certain amount of facts. I defend under cause and effect rules. Uh, basically, that means that I just pay fast and loose with the uh, facts. You know, and why, speaking of facts, um, I think one of the most annoying things, and, and, and it happens all the time, I'm sure it happens to you, is uh, I have a quick question. There's no such thing as a quick question. People say it's a quick question, and then they just drone on and on for several minutes. And uh, I can remember I was standing in a line, I think at an airport or something like that, waiting to finally get up and talk to the ticket agent. And I finally waited, and then all of a sudden there's this woman on my shoulder interrupting us going, well, I just have a quick question. No, I have a quick question too, so get back in the fucking line. You know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. I don't know, you know, and that's... uh, Anyway... So, um, yeah, and that's, by the way, if you're uh, running in the airport, go buy a friggin' watch. I, I don't understand. I'm not going to run in the airport. Well, I'm probably largely incapable of doing it. And uh, you know those Girl Scout cookies that don't taste the way they used to? You know, like smaller in size and stuff. Why don't they sell something useful like tires or something? I think that would be a, a better idea for them. I come from a long line of storytellers. Uh, as a family, we we would get together. We would uh, the youngers, of, the younger ones in the group, would implore certain of the adults, um, like my grandmother on my father's side. Um, she was actually a leech on my father's side, um, and uh, my uh, aunt Alice was very funny. And uh, so was Uncle Bob, that he was married to my father's sister. I'm sure all of this information means nothing to you, but that's okay. It's all on background. So so we would implore them to tell these uh, stories. Like Aunt Alice had a, a vacation she took out in Idaho and uh, staying with relatives out there, and she couldn't get anything to eat. And she thought, well, geez, if I could just sneak out of the house and get down the street and go to that little grocery store, I could probably get a sandwich or something down there. But they would it would intercept her. She was almost like that, um, oh, is that movie with Patrick McGowan called The Prisoner, which is popular back in the 60s. Uh, it's a little like Wayward Pines or something, that program on today where the guy tries to escape the town and there's always somebody chasing him. But anyway, so... Um, we're going to tell some stories here, and I've got a I've got a good one uh, right now, and this is uh, under the heading of my parents' parents, and on my mother's side, my mother's father, and he looked and sounded an awful lot like Henry Kissinger, and he could be profane and mixed company, or in a courtroom in some way get away with it. He fits nicely somewhere between Joseph Stalin and Norm Crosby. If you don't know who Norm Crosby is, try that on YouTube. You see who he is. His business associates called him SR, other Steve. To his wife, he was Daddy, but to my sisters and me, he was Grandpa. And no one, and I'm one of five grandchildren who suffered for grief moments and rejoiced in having this man as a grandfather. Several other creative types in the family have considered writing about this man, but I think the element of believability is a strong factor in a decision not to write about Grandpa. Many of the incidents and moments with Grandpa... I'm sorry, I've got a cocktail going on the side here, so if I have to burp suddenly, I apologize for that. Uh, Moments with Grandpa are just simply hard to believe, as was Grandpa most of the time. That's why it's so tough. So why bother? Well, you know, he was very successful financially, drove big, expensive cars, lived in a large, expensive home. Uh, he didn't look nor give any appearance of being someone who was notoriously untruthful. He always dressed well, except for fishing, and he was rarely seen not wearing a tie. Uh, all of his wealth was acquired legally. Uh, despite his wholesale abuse of the king's English, his trouble with telling endless stories of out-and-out fantasy, he was by any measure a successful man. He would not have a clue about the truth about Grandpa by any visible behavior or appearance. Basically, the problem, the driving theme about uh, Grandpa was basically he was full of shit. Uh, he'd say, start a conversation, he'd drop these bombs. 
and he just would just sort of announce to the people sitting around the living room, did I ever tell you about the time I decided to invent scotch tape? Uh, gosh, no, Grandpa. Well, I, uh, we've not heard that. He somehow gave this story about how he decided to invent scotch tape. It just somehow came to him uh, sitting there that he needed to uh, do this, so he uh, did. And, and, of course, we had to uh, endure the story. It took about 45 minutes, and Grandpa talked continuously. Uh, and the consistency of these stories over time is quite remarkable. That's why we remember them, because we've... Um, uh, heard them so many times so not so un but what is unusual is that grandpa would tell his tales to people who were in a position to know better and grandpa knew they knew better like when he tried to convince a veteran fbi agent that j edgar hoover was actually married and had five kids grandpa would relate several cute stories about hoover's kids and how grandpa knew and adored them all at first blush his stories were so outrageous that most of you didn't knew him had just stood there, mouths agape, speechless at what they were hearing. Geez, who is this guy? He's nicely dressed, big diamond pinky ring, huge home in the rich part of town, a couple luxury cars in the garage. Can what this man be saying is just a complete load of shit? No, it can't be. Well, the FBI guy was just baffled. And, and, and no one ever knew what triggered Grandpa into a tall tale. Over the years, we all tried to detect a pattern, not, want, not, want, not wanting to stumble into one of his fond recollection. There seemed to be no safe area of discussion, and the worst was being verbally held captive in a confined space There was no escape. Grandpa's diatribes were very long, having no natural breaks, so there was no way to interrupt, and God forbid you should have a question. My brother-in-law would enter the room and deliberately ask Grandpa a loaded question, then leave the room, leaving the rest of us trapped. Strangely, Grandpa didn't always buy uh, these loaded questions. There was never a logical way to predict what happened. So no discussion of Grandpa would be uh, complete without some discussion, some mention of Grandma. According to my sister, Grandma uh, lived in a body that was never used, uh, rarely so much as an aspirin past her lips, born of sturdy Swedish stock. Grandma was reasonably devoted to Grandpa, and for us, represented a delightful abstraction from Grandpa. And she never went wanting for help in the kitchen, obviously. We were all eager to help. In some ways, she was like Grandpa. Where Grandpa lacked truth, Grandma lacked substance. Her stories were so completely void of the slightest meaningful content, you would no wonder why she even bothered. But she was pleasant, interested in what you had to say, and not a bad driver either. And to give you a small sense of this woman, she believed that having a nice cup of coffee and a little cake would cure any ill. Or in order to cook beef safely, it must be cremated. Gee, Grandma, why don't you and Grandpa get cable TV? You'll get a lot more channels. No, I can only watch one channel at a time. You know, it's hard to counter that kind of logic. Besides, we don't want all those cables running all over the house. And of course, there's no logical statement to that. How about some more coffee? No, thank you, Grandma. She poured anyway, and I was about 12. We know that uh, Grandma learned over time to tune out Grandpa. She just stopped listening. On those occasions when Grandma was in the room, which was unusual, Grandpa drolled on about something or other. Grandma would frequently exhibit what the military men referred to, referred to as the thousand-yard stare, uh, sort of a glassy-eyed stare. Grandma added a hint of a smile, and when Grandpa would turn to Grandma to corroborate some fine point in one of these uh, dissertations, Grandma would merely increase the smile at the corner of her mouth by perhaps two degrees, just enough to indicate that she'd actually heard her name. Of course, Grandpa would accept this slight change in Grandma's slight uh, general state of being as a hearty and rousing endorsement of his story. He would laugh loudly, especially... Well, odd considering there was absolutely nothing even remotely funny about what Grandpa said. And he did, occasion he did occasionally tell a joke. Actually, his jokes were several jokes blended into one incomprehensible thing. I say only thing because there was no grammatical or compositional description of his form of speech. 
when searching for the perfect word, he liked to work around the obstacle by saying, uh, over on uh, what you call your bathtub. And he would just make something up, merely inserting some strange variation on some word he had heard, no matter that word was looking for was a noun or uh, adjective or what have you, any word would do. Contemptuous would become contemporaneous. Just enough similarity that it just didn't matter. You might even consider for a fleeting moment that perhaps that actually was a real world. Um, and when grandma or any of my aunts were around, he liked to slip in words like bosom. He liked the idea that his comedy was sort of racy. Um, little background, uh, grandpa was uh, frequently uh, uh, talked about his violin playing and how he'd uh, studied with uh, Stradivarius and I don't know. I mean, you know, because there's no way that you can disprove any of this. Uh, so on occasions like Christmas, he would go and he would get his violin out and go through this pluck, 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 tuning up his violin. And then he'd say, oh, no, this is the weather. This is my wrist. I can't do that today. Uh, we'll do this some next time. And all, he'd, all we ever heard was just, just hear him tune up. Um, and he, he had some the, the words he used. Uh, horizon, was, uh, horizon was a word for horizon to him. And it wasn't wrought iron. It was iron wrought. And parcel post was actually partial post. And Fort Worth was actually Fourth Worth. And he uh, would say something that uh, uh, he felt like he was a left wheel left wheel to what grandpa <laughs> I don't I don't get that he also said um, one of his more enduring things he said was if I did that I couldn't stand beside myself well that's <laughs> that's quite a leap and he believed that all people who drove Fords were Jewish absolutely no problem they could see a Ford go by and well there's another Jew and Cadillacs are for in-town driving, and Buicks are for the country. Uh, microwaves can get stuck in your food uh, during daylight saving time. D daylight saving time is only 23 hours long. Uh, church was church. Always wear a tie, except when going to bed or fishing. Lawrence Welk and the Pope were both communists. Ballet dancers and modern dancers of any kind he referred to as, oh no, here come the jumpers. My grandmother always used to complain about being so tired during the summer. She said, because we lose that hour. When daylight saving time originally became a thing, it was called um, uh, fast time by some people. So she believed there was only 23 hours in the day. And you say, well, Grandma, you guys go to bed about 10 o'clock at night. You get up at 6. It's 8 hours. No, 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 no. During the middle of the night, we lose an hour. Though no, that's just on the first day. And there was just, you couldn't get it through her head. There was, you, you f struggled emotionally and mentally trying to come up with some kind of example of, no, forget it, forget it, it just wasn't even uh, possible. Um, and uh, I'll finish up here with the last little bit about uh, 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 Grandpa. Uh, after uh, we're going to listen to something right now, a famous story. This one's about the Zambezis. This is a favorite. Uh, so give a listen. The following is from the Zambezi tribal teachings from their Zoket teachings from the secret book in Zambanese documented by short, fat missionaries from Walla Walla, Norway. Darkness falls when the light goes away. Live as long as you can. Children are always small to begin with. A hungry dog may bite a chicken or your sister's kid, Ralphie. Great things are never made of dung. Eat the purple fruit and your dead uncle will appear. The end is always last. Although an ancient and otherwise wonderful group of people, the Zambeses, were not known for their intellectual depth. They were eventually driven from their land along with the missionaries by the neighboring tribe of Jacuzzis. The Jacuzzis were eventually killed off 
by the dreaded Fakawi Indians of central Cleveland, led by Chief Fookhead. The Fakawis were of course known for their lack of direction and inability to use maps. Although known to be very vicious fighters, they were generally frail and had really long nose hair and cute dimples. And now back to the Dr. Bob show. Well, it's something to do anyway. Well, thanks a lot, Amy. Appreciate that, uh, your support. Um, so, uh, again, we want you to visit our, our website if you have something interesting that you want to talk about. Um, that's fine. Um, um, where was I going? I forget where I was going. Yeah, yeah, I, I, we, uh, uh, wife and I went to, uh, we'd been long time, couple, several years contemplating buying a new car. And, uh, and so we went to one of the big car shows because that's really the only way to do it because you could sit at them and there's no salesman around or anything like that. And what I was always, it's men, have to, what is this thing that, that they have to look under the hood of a new car? I mean, what would you expect, that there would be something else in there other than an engine? And what can you tell by looking at an object whose values on the inside, sort of like opening up an iPhone? Yep, looks good. I know it's a guy thing. Okay, Julia, this is here, and this is what you call your engine. Um, I, don't, I, I don't get that, but people continue to do it. Um, saw a lady in the supermarket the other day let out a huge wet sneeze. Fortunately, she caught it in her hand and went back to pushing her cart. Uh, I, this is a, another statement of mine that I'll make. and Now, this part won't be pretty, but somebody needs to get this out, and that is about rural America. Rural folks, folks are not folks. <laughs> rural folks, yeah, that's probably, I think that's where we're going. Rural folks are not like everyone else. Uh, I believe that over time these folks share a collective brain atrophy. And before going on, I should mention that I do have some creds in this area. I was born and raised in Minnesota. Only 100 kids in my graduating class. I lived an adult as an adult in small towns in southern Minnesota, Iowa, and South Dakota. My in-laws had a dairy farm. At age 10, my parents left the city and bought a farm. So it's not like I can't talk from experience. And there's nothing wrong with the character of the rural people. They're, for the most part, God-fearing, tax-paying, law-abiding citizens, everything that the politicians say. That being said, in the average small-town barbershop, you can make a racially charged comment and generally get a favorable reaction. There's a decided tone of racial prejudice and homophobia just below the surface. They don't trust strangers, outsides, or anyone different. Oh, yes, they will come off as warm and friendly and hospitable, but their core beliefs are very dif di different. Crimes amongst the group, like rape, incest, spousal abuse, are never spoken of. If we don't talk about it, it doesn't exist. We think a lot of like spousal abuse was, is rampant, but I know it goes on, and it did go on back in the 50s, and nobody talked about it. It's a big secret. And if anybody had an abortion, nobody talked about it. Uh, where's mom? Well, she's in the hospital to get her ear fixed. Oh, really? Well, I didn't know that. Um, so anyway, you know, if, if, yeah, if, if my grandmother had been on the Titanic, she'd be just walking around telling everybody, we'll be fine, don't worry, you know, have some coffee, have some cake too. Um, what scared me was the fact that once around uh, these pea pickers for a while, you become one of them. Perfectly happy to sit for hours discussing nothing but Herb, what do you think? Do you think we'll getting any uh, be getting any rain? Uh, anyway, we love living in a small town with small town values and good solid Christian values. Well, fuck you and your small town bullshit. These tiny conflates, conclaves perpetuate racial injustice, racial stereotypes, and small-minded white thinking. They are quick to condemn welfare recipients and in the same breath argue about and defend their milk subsidies. Their uh, lack of exposure to the rest of us is uh, obvious. And of course, they love Rush and Fox because all this drivel has been reduced to the lowest common denominator, and so it's made very easy uh, to understand. So anyway, so brain drain, small, tells, small towns in television. Louisville? Maybe? Perhaps? 
uh, I noticed that uh, Benjamin Edelman, uh, who I have no idea who he is, but he cites a Harvard study. I mean, this could be John Smith. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, cites a Harvard study of anonymous credit card transactions that states with anti-gay marriage laws, and this was before, obviously, the recent Supreme Court decision, that states with anti-gay marriage laws consumed 11% more porn than states that did not have such laws. Churchgoers bought less porn on Sundays but came back in line during the rest of the week, especially on Monday. Uh, I think I got this right. Uh, Utah leads the pack. Uh, followed by Mississippi, Louisiana, and, and, and Alabama. And I expected this would be New York and California, and that, no, that they were towards the bottom. Uh, you know, these pious pricks, I don't know, talk about all of this morality, and we're going to legislate what goes on in the, in the restaurant, but God knows what goes on in the privacy of their home. Uh, Utah says it's okay for residents to sell liquor by the drink, but you have to buy food, and if there's a physical bar... You can't have any bottles in view. And where the bartender, these bars are structured, so when the bartender mixes the drink, he has to actually go off to the side into a little room where he mixes the drink and then brings it out to you. And you can't, there's no doubles. And uh, if, you, if you order a drink, but she comes back to the table, she expects the... Uh, the glass you've had already will be empty. Otherwise, she'll just stand there and wait for you to finish before she can put the other one back down on the table. Uh, it's it's just uh, amazing. And any um, secondary liquor that has to be added to a drink, I think like Long Island iced tea, I think has, uh, you know, it may have gin and then some other liquor in it. Uh, it has to be in a bottle labeled flavoring. And uh, anyway, well, I didn't, I didn't I, you can't make this shit up. It's uh, pretty amazing to me that, uh, can, uh, speaking of, of <laughs> speaking of the, um, of, of shopping, <laughs> I was thinking about the American Dairy Association, you know, the, the American Dairy Association, you see their ads on TV, they promote milk. They're a non-profit organization, but have about 150 employees and an annual budget somewhere in the area of about $135 million a year. Dairy farmers are mandated by law to support the, so the association, so when you buy milk, you are paying to underwrite the dairy lobby. So us consumers pay an extra $135 million a year for milk to pay for the Got Milk commercials. You know, can we infer from this that if we don't promote milk, people will stop buying it? We don't really promote bread, do we? Uh, anyway, that's a that's a thought I'm having. It's clear to me by Paris, being lonely is not the same as being lovely, and being lovely is not the same as being yourself. Ladies and gentlemen in the boarding area, we will begin our pre-boarding process in a few moments. Pre-boarding means getting on the plane before you get on the plane. At this time, we'd like to invite all the malcontents, felons, sneak thieves and vandals to board now in centre seats only, please. Following that, we will board first class, second class and business class. This includes all gold, silver and platinum members, classic and senior flyer members, lightning members, credit card travel members, tier one members, supreme level members, super traveler members, rewards members, upgrade travelers, member members and those with failing eyesight and tight shoes. You, if you have no class, can board last. Thank you for flying Bob Air and have a pleasant flight. Yeah, thanks Amy, real uh, testimony to our uh silliness here we want to make sure that we keep that it's an ongoing theme after we just piss off half the population of the united states and then we're going to do something silly uh let's what else have you got uh, amy welcome to heavenly land world resort and spa and kumquat processing facility 
We hope you enjoy our fabulous spa facility here at this Bob World Resort. Please observe the following rules for the not-so-hot tubs. No fishing, pets, shoes, big food, inexpensive liquor, furry pets, overcoats, record players, pine cones, wearing someone else's clothes, and remember, don't leave anything behind. Last but not least, and for golly sakes, no toasters. <laughs> That's spa humour. Just think, what comes to the spa leaves the spa. Well, we can hope, can't we? Thanks for visiting Bob World Spas. And remember, oil changes and chassis lubes are always available. Just contact the concierge or Sigmund in the landscaping department. Well, thanks again. That's, um, that's heavenly land, part of the expanding uh, Dr. Bob empire, which is all, all part of uh, Okie Dokie Incorporated, uh, where I am the uh, chairman and uh, CEO and janitor of okidoki.com. And again, feel free to visit our website and re reach out to us. We'll put as much as we can on the, uh, on the air. Uh, so we're going to um, continue to tell stories, talk a little bit about the news, read the mail, uh, silly stuff. If you have silly stuff, I may or may not put it out there. Um, here's Amy with another tip on, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah, cat bathing. Hi, everyone. It's Amy again for Help Tips Corner. Today, we will cover giving your cat a bath. I know, I know, it's not something you look forward to, but when old Muffy starts to stink, it's time to hit the sink. Here are some helpful hints. If you have more than one cat, even several, bathe them all at the same time. Cats like company. Your cats will be calmer if you bathe them in ice water. The cold water will make them tired, especially when listening to Black Sabbath tunes. It has been reported that in some really rare cases that cats will become upset and will scratch, even to the point of becoming downright ornery. That's okay. It's the cat's way of showing you how much they love the bath and all that cold water. Find out more in Dr. Bob's book, 101 Uses for Logging Chain. Next time, we will talk about how to hold a sewer cleaning party. Yeah, that would be that would that would be fun. Uh, one last little bit here before we go. Um, we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, if that's that's absurd. Uh, living in Minnesota, um, especially during the long cold winters, inside most people's homes uh, became very dry during the winter because of forced air heating. So the overwhelming majority of those with uh, forced air heat—that's you know—it's blowing thing. I had devices called humidifiers to replace the moisture in the air due to the blowing hot air all over the place. And this, at time, would cause condensation on windows. And Grandpa was adamant that this moisture would not or would rot his custom-made window frame, so he elected to keep the inside of the home tinder dry. The air in the house during the winter actually sort of crackled with static electricity, Sort of like those effects around Dr. Uh, you know, Frankenstein's uh, thing with the monster. You had to be very careful and be properly grounded. Rubber soles were recommended. And tight, it is very possible a touch a light switch could set your hair on fire. Um, <laughs> great. Ma what, what makes a person remember that? Uh, Grandpa mentioned that he uh, uh, knew that George Eastman was grateful. He knew. Uh, uh, he said that George Eastman was grateful to him for having insisted that Eastman take up Grandpa's invention of photography and turn it into a business. So Grandpa just announced that he had invented photography. Well, Grandpa, how old are you? I mean, I think there was, there was a, this predates the Civil War uh, when people are messing around with photography. So, uh, but he went on to provide guidance and encouragement to Ansel Adams. And Grandpa insisted on referring to Adams as ants, sort of portray his degree of intimacy with the legendary photographer. Um, J. Edgar Hoover was just plain old Edgar to Grandpa. Nobody called J. Edgar Hoover Edgar. 
know, and he didn't have a family. On that note, we will end today's program and look for us again soon on Check Back on iTunes for our next exciting adventure. With that, ta-ta, we'll see you all. <laughs>